You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. So many times we want to we want to see miracles, right? We want to experience miracles. We want to experience the power of God. And, and just something God was showing me recently is um, we, we want to see the miracle of being able to walk on the water. It's like Peter when he got out of the boat and he's looking at Jesus. His eyes are fixed on Jesus and he begins to start moving and he's, he's, he's walking on the water. And, and every one of us would love to experience that kind of miracle. And we think that's kind of the flashy thing, and that's what gets written for all, all the, the history to see, because all of us look at a man named Peter, who was a disciple, who was, who was not the best of the best, who was just a, a, a guy, a fisherman, and Jesus shows up and radically transforms his life, and then by seeing, seeing Jesus on the water and having that faith steps out, and, and that's the kind of life we all want to live. And we want to experience those kind of things. And what God really showed me is that there's also a great miracle not walking on it, but walking through it. That when he parts the waters and you walk through, that's just as powerful of a miracle. And that's the power of God at work. I mean, we sang about it with when he parted the waters for the Israelites to walk through on dry ground. And I got to tell you, as I look back at 2021 and if you listen to the message after Christmas when we did everything online... I talked about this process that I go through called I rip something. You know, I reflect, inspect, and project. And as I reflect on 2020, I see over and over and over, I never got to walk on the water, but all through 2020, God was parting waters for us to walk through. And that's the miraculous nature of God. That's the power of God at work. And when, when we pursue him and he leads us in his vision, he leads us in his calling and in his path, we experience things we could never dream or imagine on our own. We, we, we look at, at, at challenges and we see crisis coming at us and by the power of God at work in us and the Holy Spirit moving in his church, then, then we, see, we, we see creativity coming in the face of crisis. We see true character rising above when crisis strikes. And that, that's the power of God, and that's the vision that God has for his church, to be a city on a hill, to be a beacon for the lost, to be a source of hope and a source of strength and a source of peace and some kind of anchor in the storms that life bring us. And as we, as we reflect on, on God's vision for our life and, and what he's doing in us in a church, as a church and, and really what he's got in store for us in 2021, I, I, I really feel like the, 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 you know, the, the word or the feeling God is giving me for this year is breakthrough, where I don't get to walk on the water, but I want to walk through it. And I want to I see the hand of God move. I mean, just that wonder and awe of walking in the life that God has called you to live, right? I mean, think about, put yourself in, in, in Peter's sandals for a moment. I mean, when Jesus says, come on out, and he, he steps out and he's walking on the water. I mean, the, the, the amazing feeling that had to be, that sense of wonderment, that sense of awe, that just awesome nature of the power of God sustaining you above the liquid, but think about, put yourself in the, in the position of the Israelites as they've got the Egyptian army and the nation of Egypt coming after them to, to either bring them back into slavery or slaughter them. And all of a sudden, God parts the waters. 
Mighty winds begin to blow and the waters part and they're walking through on dry ground, scripture says. And can you imagine seeing the wall of water and experiencing that? And whether we walk and we're sustained on liquid or on dry ground, it's still the power of God at work because he has a purpose and a plan for each, each of us. He has a plan for his people. He has a plan for the church. And when I think about his plan for the church, it's always good. It doesn't mean that we get to walk through the, the, the flowers all of the time. I mean, I love that God is honest with us. He's brutally honest with us when he says, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid. He never said you're going to walk through just like good times and everything going your way. And when I think about pursuing God in those moments and in that context, it really puts the rubber to the road when I think about vision and what we're about as a church. I mean, this series that we're in focus, we start every January with it. And I wish I could, I wish I could rewind and have a do-over for 2020, honestly. If I because one year ago we're standing here and we're talking about clear vision and ah, ah, and God's like, that's awesome. Like, look at my kids, man. They are just so full of energy. You have no idea, you know? But with that faith and the declaration of faithfulness in God in January of 2020, his faithfulness, it was more clear throughout the year than I was even thinking it was going to be in January. Now, a lot of our plans, I mean, I, I had to learn how to unmake some plans last year. And God really brought the church into this refining phase. And I think God got the church, not just the creek, but I think God got the church to a place where all of the extraneous dung <laughs> that we get involved with in church doesn't matter. What's it about? It's about lifting high the name of Jesus. It's about being connected with him, and it's about getting the message of Jesus out. How do we do that? By loving one another, by serving one another, by engaging in the hard places where God calls us to go. Man, I saw the church get refined in that. And some of the plans that we made, they're like, I think God really did laugh at it. That's cute, but that's not, on, that's not fully on mission with what I've got for you. And I think for 2021, God's got a breakthrough for us in, in mission. And, and when I think of in terms of vision with our set-ins, you know, we, we, we set up those statements that God gave us around here that we call the set-ins, and that's set-in relationship set in family, set free and set in motion. What that really means and what we're all about as a church and what the creek is all about and what I hope every church is all about, to be honest with you, is this. I want to see people saved. I want to see people in a relationship with Jesus Christ, not just uh, in a relationship with attending a church, not just in a relationship when, oh God, I'm in trouble, help me now, but I want to see people in a relationship where they're surrendered and submitted to the kingship and lordship of Jesus as the ruler and as the reign and as the one who speaks life over them, that everything they do gets filtered through Jesus, that kind of relationship. It's kind of like a husband with a wife, right? You know? Kids would ask me, Dad, can we do this? I don't know. Ask your mom. I mean, I even, you know, I go to purchase, I do a major purchase, and I'm by myself. I'm like, I need to talk to my wife. Well, who makes the decisions in your family? Well, obviously, you haven't met my wife. 
<laughs> but every decision we make runs through Jesus that way, that kind of relationship. And I want to see people in family. Because as we've seen, some of our relationships can fall by the wayside when things get real difficult. But when you think of healthy family and spiritual family and the church, the way the church is designed to be as a family, I want to see people connected to God and I want to see people connected to each other. We need each other. We may, we may rub each other the wrong way. We may, we may aggravate each other, but that's what family does, right? And then we get over it and we keep going. There's a beauty in the family and it's set free. And, and, and this, is, this is just getting past your past. Because look, Jesus... I'll just use me for an example, okay, because I don't want to pick on anybody. Jesus saved me, and what he did is he redeemed my life. He set me on a, on a trajectory for eternity, and he, he comes into that relationship, and I'm reconciled, and, and then he starts dealing with my, my baggage because we, we have a God who wants to get involved with that. Like God doesn't want to sit outside of our emotions. God doesn't want to sit outside of our struggles. He wants to get involved. And most of our struggles, can, can we just be honest? Most of our struggles come from issues that we still carry from our past. We bring our past into the present, and then we start using the past to determine the present, which projects into the future. And God says, you're, you're trying to write your own destiny with a broken past. And what freedom is, and a lot of people think this is just a weird, awkward thing, and we're going to unpack these over the next several weeks, but freedom is simply this. It's letting God get you fully out of Egypt. I mean, he got the Israelites out of Egypt. Now he's got to get Egypt out of them because that brings baggage. Some of you have been through broken families. And when I say spiritual family, you cringe and, and you haven't experienced a good, loving, perfect father who is our heavenly father setting us in a family where he is the fullness of provision, the fullness of support, and then him helping you get past those wounds that keep dragging you back into that past life. And then all of this is for the purpose of motion is go God never said, wait and stay until I come and get you. He said, go. Matter of fact, that's what he talks about in Mark chapter 16 when he's given this great commission. Jesus is, is given the uh, disciples and all of the hearers this word, this encouragement. This is after his resurrection. And uh, he's, uh, he's already paid the penalty of sin on the cross. He's absorbed the wrath of God. He's taken care of it. He said, it is finished. Death was the final enemy, and he defeated death. He is, he, it's all accomplished. And then he's raised from the tomb on the third day. This is right before he's ascended. Philippians is beautiful, how Philippians will kind of mirror the gospel of Mark. Um, but right, this is right before Jesus was ascended and seated at the right hand of Father in glory. Where, where, where I'm sure God the Father looks at the Son and says, good job, Son. And then he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And he says, I've given you the name of Jesus, that at your name, that your name, Son, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord for my glory. Can you imagine God speaking that over him? And Jesus gives this encouragement and this word to to those that we're hearing. So it's uh, Mark chapter 16. It says, afterward, uh, I'll start at verse uh, 15. Um, and, and Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So, so God didn't say, hey, sit tight, I'll be back. You know, it's not like, I mean, <laughs> it's not like you tell your friend, wait here, I'll be right back. Well, how long are you gonna be? I don't know. 
I mean, it's, it's that whole waiting game. You know, we get, we get anxious in the waiting. But God didn't say, hey, sit and wait. God didn't say, hey, gather people in big rooms and build these buildings and build these campuses and build these environments for, for, for my people to just come and sit and, and let all the bad stuff happen out there. And then you just build your little, you just build your little security network right in here. No, God, he, he said, go. Go. Yeah, but the world's tough. Yeah, but Go. Yeah, but the world's broken. Yeah, go. He, he, where, where do I go, Jesus? Where do you want me to go? Do I go to work? Do I go to school? Do I, where do you want me to go? Go to the whole creation. That's everywhere, y'all. That's everywhere. And, and as a matter of fact, when you look at the context of how this was written in the original language, <clears throat> it would be like this. As you go, as you go, into all creation. As you go, everywhere you go, proclaim the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news. It's the news of what Jesus Christ did for us by taking on the form of a servant, humbling himself even to death on a cross and paying the sacrifice for our sin and then laid in a tomb and was resurrected on the third day, showing the power of God at work over everything that he is the supremacy of all things, that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. He's the firstborn among the dead. There is no equal to him. And the good news is, is, is what he did for us, and it's also that our life finds life in his, that when we come to that moment of realization that, that I'm out of relationship with God and what he did on the cross reconciles our relationship and brings me into this, I now have hope. I now have a savior. I now have life. My past has been dealt with. In my present, I have all I need. I have the provision. I have the promises of God. He is here. He says, I've got you taken care of today. Worry about today. And then my, my future is, is secured in heaven. That's the good news. The good news is, is, is what Jesus did, but then what our lives find in what Jesus did. So as you go, as you go to the store, as you go to shopping, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go wherever you go, as you go to the gas station, as you go in you know, all your places, proclaim the gospel. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So, so he's, he's teaching us that this relationship and this making disciples, in Matthew chapter 28 is where we normally see the Great Commission. That's the famous Great Commission passage. But he would say, go and make disciples. Now that's an interesting thing because he calls us to go and make disciples, not converts. What is a disciple? It's connected in relationship. I mean, if Jesus was about making converts, you wouldn't have seen the calling of the disciples. Peter would have never walked on the water. Jesus would have showed up, hey, Peter, you need to believe in me. Why is that? Because I'm the resurrection of life, and I'm going to pay for your sin on the cross. Okay, I believe. Okay, I'll see you in eternity. <laughs> We're to make disciples. Jesus pulls them into relationship, begins to teach them. It, it, we... we, we we really get scared about that word discipleship in church, right? Are you in a discipleship relationship? I don't know what that is. Sounds like it's painful. Think about it. It's exactly, if you're a parent, it's what you do with your kids. You teach them. I, mean, I, was, I was doing some work on the truck the other day. And, and I started thinking back when I was a kid, you know, and my dad and I would work on, 
on trucks and tractors and work on things. And my job was to hold the light, you know. And, and I started laughing to myself because Heather makes fun of me because in my house are many lights. If it were not so, I would have told you. <laughs> but, but I have this fascination with flashlights. Not, 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 and here's where Heather kind of has the rub. Not cheap flashlights either. I like the nice lights. And I like headlights. I have headlights stashed everywhere in my house. I mean, I was in the garage. I had a headlight on. I came in to grill. I changed headlight. I left my, I'm like Mr. Rogers changing his shoes and his sweater, you know. I take off my garage headlight. I come in. I open the door. I get out my grilling headlight. You know, I've got a hunting headlight. I've got, I got headlights in my glove boxes. I mean, because my philosophy on flashlights is this. And Heather laughs. I said, one is none and two is one. So she said, you got three. I said, that means I got like one and a half, really, by my math. But I'm losing my place here. Oh, holding the light. So I've got my headlamp, and I'm adjusting it. And I start laughing myself. But, but working on those things with my father, you know, was like, I'm just holding the light. But now I'm able to do the work. Why? Because I held the light because I could see what my father was doing. It's exactly what a discipleship relationship is. It's exactly what Jesus called the disciples into. He says, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You hold the light. I'm going to give you the light. Jesus said, I am the light. He puts that light in us. You are the light of the world, right? You're a city on a hill. Don't put it under a basket and hide it under something. Let it stand up on a lampstand so all can see, right? You're the light. Hold the light. You'll see me do this work to glorify my father, and then you know what? You're going to do the same thing. I just, that, I, I just gave you a very enlightening definition of discipleship. You help people hold the light. And and I want to say something, because Jesus says if you believe and are baptized, the focus is on belief, not baptism. Because you can be baptized and not saved. You can go through some external motions. That's exactly why Jesus had a rub with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day because because Jesus and religion don't mix, y'all. Because religion says you get your externals done and then you're good. No, no. The the baptisms that we celebrate, that's just plain old Fort Worth water. There's nothing holy about it. Matter of fact, it's kind of nasty after baptism weekend, y'all. I'm just grateful I don't have to clean it. But... There's nothing holy about that. It's this. It's the symbolism that happens. So Jesus is saying, if you believe, when you believe, when you confess that I'm Lord, you're saved. You're in. Boom. You are a part of the church. You're a part of the body. You are saved. Eternity is set and secure. And what baptism is, that's like showing the world, this is who I am now. Why why is that important to show the world who you are? Because now I'm coming to you, world. Because Jesus, who saved me, said, now I got to go into you. I got to go into all the world, all creation, because you need to hear about my life, about what got me to that point that you saw. And the me you see now is all because of Jesus. That's what Jesus is unpacking this for them. And then, then he goes on. He, this is, we're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> this is going to be a fun series because I'm starting with this passage in the fourth week of this series, I'm reteaching the same passage because you're going to have a different perspective on it. I already have it because I've already written it. I've already been there, but I can't wait for you to see it. I'm going to like watch y'all's faces like, <laughs> it's going to be like six cents. Like he was dead the whole time. 
I can't wait. You're going to have that reaction face. I can't wait to see it. But he goes on, and I'll unpack this in a couple weeks, so don't get all stressed out and don't bombard me with emails about demonic stuff and all these things. Um, And these signs will accompany those who believe. So belief, salvation, and these signs. These signs are, are an expression and the working and the power of the Holy Spirit. In my name, in the name of Jesus, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, let me, before we get to week four, let me just say, there is a line between faith and stupid, okay? There are no snakes in the church. You've seen the YouTube of all that, right? Um, If if somebody were to bring snakes in the church, because there's a, some folks that think the way I express my faith is I hold a snake. The way I express my faith with a snake is one eye and a sight, okay? <laughs> or something sharp, a machete, something to kill the snake. And so that's not a poisonous snake. I don't care. It's a snake. I don't care. The only thing snakes are useful for are boots and belts, okay? Um, but so... The, but what he's saying is, there, there are signs, th- these things will accompany those who believe. So as you go, because, because God knows that the world is broken. God knows that the world has dangers. God knows that there's an enemy that is hunting the Christ follower to, to destroy him. God knows all of these things, and so he doesn't send us out ill-equipped. He says, when you go out, as you go and you make disciples and, and you teach them how to, how to believe and you, what that belief means, and then you walk them through that relationship of discipling them and growing them and teaching them to hold the light and then teaching them to go out into the world, as you do that, the world's going to come against you. And when that does, in my name, I have all authority over that and the signs and the power of the Holy Spirit at work through you who believe in me, who are the redeemed, when you face those things, you'll overcome them. It doesn't mean I go looking for a snake, go, let's see if this works. But you see that played out in Acts. The apostle Paul gets shipwrecked. They're trying to build a fire. He reaches into a wood stack and a poisonous viper latches onto his hand. Not just by, it latches on, okay? I would have, I would have new octaves of shrill coming out of this person, Right? And he just rips it off, throws it in the fire. And the locals are watching him like, he's going to die. They know what kind of snake that he's going to die. He's going to die. He doesn't die. So then they look at Paul like, you must be some kind of God. Paul says, no, but I serve the living God. Because these are signs that accompany those who believe. And what he does through that, see, see that there's miracles that happen. But what he does, he connects it back to the message. We always got to come back to the message, y'all. We get, we get hung up on the miracles. Like, I want to walk on water. I want to see all that. I want to see miracles. You know what? Get back to the message. If a miracle happens, it's to make the message clear. You know, God didn't give you authority to go cast out demons because, you, you know, you just, he just thinks it's cool for you. No, he's given you his authority over the enemy to bring people to freedom, He's equipping us for this, this go. And I know this is, when I talk about set in relationship, I know it's different than just saying, you know, I, you know a, a straight up salvation message 
But there, there are people, this is the word of God, and the word of God knows how to work, and the Holy Spirit knows how to work. And what I want to do when I look at us as a church, I want to challenge us as a church in, in, in making relationships with other people so they can make a relationship with God. So when I think of this in context of a church, yeah, I see salvations when we get together and do this together. And the power of God at work in us. And when the power of God begins to work in us, it does some incredible things. I mean, that's, that's why he's, he's given us this message. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit, so that, that he can begin this work in us. See, when I, when I first heard the message of Jesus, and it really connected, I grew up around it. I, I am blessed to grow up in an environment where my parents love the Lord, and they serve the Lord, and they modeled that in front of us. I didn't say I grew up in a perfect family, I said they, they modeled what it looks like to struggle and follow God. And when I got to, a, to an age, age 14, when it light came on, see what happened is God was doing a work in me. God says, all, all, all your past, all this life, I've led you through for this moment because now I want to reconcile this relationship between us and that belief in Jesus. And see, it, it's, it's, some of us grow up in Christian homes and we get a mixed signal because we think it's the externals, right? I've been baptized. I went to church as a kid. No, no, focus on belief. That's great you've been baptized, but what it, tell me about your story, right? Tell me about that work that he did in you. I mean, that's, that's exactly what, what we see in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse, I think it starts at verse 12, but Philippians chapter 2, and, and it has a beautiful parallel um, to, to Mark, the whole gospel of Mark. And Philippians 2 says this, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That, now, let me stop. When it says work out, it, that, that we don't get saved by what we do, okay? You don't work for salvation. What, he, what he's teaching us is we work from it. So he says, you've obeyed, you've, you've been saved, you believed, you, you've been saved. You, 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 you're good and you got the relationship. Now work that relationship out. I mean, it's just like when, when I got married, I just didn't leave Heather at the altar and go, man, that was awesome. Man, we're married. Good. I'll see you sometime. No, I, I work at that relationship. I work hard at that relationship. I vacuum. I do yard work. I do hang lights, put up Christmas decorations. Take Christmas decorations down, can't decide, move that furniture over here, work out <laughs> your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm going to have some fear and trembling if I don't stop that now. Uh, for it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What is the power of God at work in you? The will and the work. See, sometimes I don't want to work. Can I, I love my job. I, I love my job. I think I have an incredible job, but there are days I don't want to go to work. What does God do in me? He changes my want to. That, that will and the work. So what he's saying is, I work in you so that you want to do the work. How does, he, how does he do that? By, by showing us 
what he's doing in us. I, see, see, God doesn't say, hey, you just sit over there, son, and I'm going to work on this. No, what does he do? Hold the light. I want you to see what I'm doing in your life. I want you to see what I'm doing around you. I want you to experience what I do in this purpose. And, I, and it's, it's, it's God showing us how we've gone from, from death to life, how we start walking in forgiveness, how he gives us this destiny and this relationship. And then, then this Holy Spirit begins to, to work in us and to show us areas of our past. That's free where the Holy Spirit is so gentle and loving and says, hey, that thing that you're holding on to, man, it's, it's hindering your relationships now. It's hindering what God wants to do right now. So what do you say we just like drop that baggage off at the curb and never come back and pick it up again? And that's, the, that's just the gentle nature of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God at work in us. See, he's doing a work in us. Why? So we have something to communicate to others who need a work in them. So God works in us, and then God works with us. I mean, in Mark 16, when you go back in verse 20, he, he talks about this power of God at work. It's the power of God that works in us. And they went out, they went out, the disciples went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them. He didn't just say, hey, go, like, here. You know, it's not like God says in the morning, here's some lunch money, don't spend it all in one place. Hey, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to work with you. That's the power of God at work. Because listen, y'all, I don't have the power to do this on my own. The pe- when I read the word of God, the people in the, in the Bible, we start thinking, well, if I had faith like Paul, if I, if I could just have, have all, you know, this, the Bible is not a story about how good they are and how powerful they are. The Bible shows us how good God is and how powerful God is. The only way Moses led the people out of Egypt and and through the wilderness was the power of God. The only way the disciples went out and preached and people's lives were changed was not because they were good, it was because God is good. It was that power. When I look at the creek, y'all, we're coming up on 11 years in March, and, and I, through, through this Christmas break, I got to just step back and just reflect a lot. And the things I've seen God do in 10 years, I can't do it. It's the power of God at work. The things that we accomplish together, it's not our accomplishment. It is the power of God working with us, working through us to the world around us. None of us have the power to do this. We have to submit to the power of God to work with us. And then God works for us. This is a beautiful thing. And I want to take a moment to explain this because I'm going to give you one of the most terrifying coffee mug verses in all of Scripture. And I want to say before I go to this Scripture, listen to me. Listen. Context is key. It's Romans 8.28. And we'll hear that. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And we stop there. We put a period on that. That's a comma right there, y'all. You know, oh, life is difficult. Well, we know God works all things together for good. We start shortening, you know. That's how it makes it on the coffee mug. God works all things together for good. All right? So a lot of you think that God works for you in a context of you get the boss God around. And God says, uh-uh, uh-uh, <laughs> uh-uh. 
I mean, go back to a seven-year-old kid trying to boss your mom around. God says, I don't play like that. What I work for you, and let me break this verse down real quick to give you the context of it. So, so God works, okay? We know that God works these things together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So, so it's, it's God working his power, his plan. It's not Matt's ability and Matt's plan. It is God working through his power for his plan. And for the good, <laughs> who's good, right? Because what God sees good in my life, sometimes I don't see as good. We've seen a lot of devastation in our world around us. Right now we're praying for so many people in the hospitals. We're praying for healing and the power of God to work in them. We, we've, seen, we've seen devastation in, in marriages. We've seen devastation in families. We've seen devastation in, in people's finances. We, we've, but, but God says, but I work. I'm, my power and my plan is in that. And I'm working for that good. I mean, it's kind of like when I go to the doctor. I hate shots, y'all. I hate shots. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get out of this one. Because I have had COVID, I've been asked to do the, the, the convalescent plasma. And I'm already passing out. <laughs> I filled out my questionnaire and I was like... But God is working his power and his plan because through that hardship can bring something good. You might be in the middle of the valley right now, but God is working his plan with his power and he's, he's working for the good. And his good, let me, let me just say this. Maybe you just need to declare this to God. Your good, God, always supersedes my good. Because my good leads to my comfort. My good leads to my self-sufficiency. My good leads to my own ability to take care of myself and control the things around me. But God's good leads me to submission and leads me to trust and leads me to seek him deeper and more earnestly than I ever could. And that's his good, even through the difficult times. For me, good, take the easy road. For God, he says, hey, this is going to be good, but it's going to be a hard road. And he says, the good for those who love him, who love him, who love him, not just his stuff. Because we'll say, God, I love you. Can I have? God, I love you so much. Can, will you do? No, no, no. It's, it's a refining of the heart. Do you love God? If you love God, you're willing to walk the hard road so he can take you to his good because it's his power and his plan at work in you. Why? Because you are called according to his purpose and it's his purpose, not mine. What is his purpose? To go into all creation and share this gospel, this message of Jesus so that lives are transformed and that lives are changed. That's the purpose. That's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit at work in us to make that transformation. And so when I circle this back for vision and what is God showing me to communicate to you as the Creek Church of where we're going in 2020, I'm not, I can't, I can't, I can't refine it down to like, well, we're going to do this little thing and this little thing. I'm going to tell you the big things. 
And the big thing is this. God has, has shown me that this year is a year for us to see 200 salvations. And some are like, yeah, you go get them, Matt. <laughs> we're all in this together. If you were here last week, Ryan did a wonderful job setting up this series. And as I, as I prayed, it was like 200 people getting saved. And it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on us. Because remember, if you were here last week or you watched online, it was, who's the one you're praying for? Let me tell you something. If, if, if everybody who calls the creek their home church prayed for one, shared with one, and that one came to Christ, that would be over 1,500 people coming to Christ in 2021. But here's what I know. Not every one of you will take this seriously. So in, in this year, is to help you understand the why and to equip you just like Jesus said, hey, Watch me. Hold a light. Watch me. So we're setting, we're, we're going to be changing some of our environments. We're going to be our journey track. If you have not gone through journey track, when you go through journey track, we, we, we get your story now, but, but we're going to help you with that story. We're going to create your environments of training so that you can share with your story. Because how do we do that? How do, what, what do we do? It's, it, last week, Ryan said it beautifully. He said, you share your life, you share your story, and you share the gospel. And your story is a miraculous story. Somebody says, have you ever seen a miracle? Look, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, yes, you've seen the miracle. It's John 11, the tomb of Lazarus, where Jesus called death into life. Lazarus, come out, get the grave clothes off, get out here and walk in life. If you've, seen, if you've experienced that salvation, you've seen what Jesus has declared as, as it's the camel going through the eye of the needle. It takes a miracle You've seen what, what Jesus explained to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that spirit gives birth to spirit. Well, how do I do that? It's, it's by believing in Christ. If you have been saved, if you've been in, set in a relationship with Jesus, you have a miraculous story, and we want to help you with that, and we're going to be creating environments this year to help you refine that story so that you can share that. So it's not, not just standing on a street corner. Look, some of the people that you're already praying for are in your own house, ask them to hold the light. This year, it's, it's, it's about getting serious and breaking through. Breaking through what, whatever holds us back from sharing our faith. To step into the miraculous, going into all creation and preaching the gospel. Of seeing people set in relationship, set in family, set free, and set in motion. And they're doing, we'll be doing things about online, our online campus. In a couple of weeks, you're going to see some incredible changes in our online campus. But it's not dependent on technology. It's on us, the church, the people taking the message to the world. Even as we've closed this, this, this message 
this weekend, your discussion questions are all geared to start helping you do that. And here's my hope for you is I, I want you to be set in relationship. Look, if, if you're not saved and you haven't made that decision, you're in the right place. Walk with us. Hold the light. And if you are saved, it's time for us to get serious to get out there because God transforms us for his purpose to go out and see other people get saved. So let's go. Let's go into all the world with his power. Father, we love you. We thank you for this mission. We thank you for vision that you declared it over our lives. Even before we knew about gathering in this place and sitting in our living rooms or watching these messages, through, through all that, you knew from the beginning of time what your purpose was is to reconcile your people, reconcile creation, reconcile those who, who we are lost. And that was done through the precious blood of Jesus who gave his life on Calvary for us. And by the power that you send us out is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that transformed us from the inside out. That power sends us out. So thank you for working in us. Continue to do that. Work with us and work for us as we go and do what you've called us to do. We love you. We worship you. We look forward to this year. We know there's going to be challenges, but you're good. You're powerful. You're mighty. And you've already seen the other side. So we submit ourselves to you, Lord, the one who has written the end from the beginning. It's in your powerful, precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast. Or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at